Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Fanny from Omaha calls in asking, My therapist is so annoying. Every time I ask him a question, he just asks me what I think about it. What's wrong with him? Thanks, Fanny. That's a good question, Fanny. Todd, do you ever say annoying things in therapy? Uh, yeah. I've, I've, um, Have I, you ever been accused of saying I, I really kinda, annoying things? I, I kind of feel like I'm not a good therapist until my client tells me, you know, gives me that feedback of, I hate when you do that. <laughs> That to me is like a badge of honor. Like, yes, uh, I'm doing me, my job. Give me an example of one of these things. Well, I think that's a good one. You know, how do you feel about it? I think mm. a lot of clients come in and they kind of, the, the way a normal conversation works is like they would, you know, if I was just their friend, they would tell me what was going on or about a thought or uh, an experience that happened to them. And then I would weigh in on it with my own opinion, right? That's kind of the way a normal conversation works. It's not necessarily how therapy works, though, where you're going to tell me in about experience, probably, and then I'm going to ask you, how do you feel about it? You know, expand on or expound on how you feel about it, um, because what you feel and what you are thinking about it is way more important than my opinion of that experience. Okay, we, we got to break that down. Um, I think because most people come into therapy basically thinking they're going to get advice on how to feel better. So it's pretty natural, I would think, to ask questions and wait for those. You're going in, you're paying an expert, right? So you ask a question and they give you an answer, right? Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Why, why would you not answer when they ask you a question? Because the session or the, the work, the therapeutic process, is based in their thought process, their emotional reaction, their, their experience overall. Not mine, not my um, opinion about their experience or my opinion about what their friend said, you know, which is kind of where you get that a lot. You know, I, I said this, so-and-so said this, can you believe it? What do you think? And I say, well, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? So annoying. <laughs> <laughs> because my opinion of what their friend said <laughs> really just doesn't matter. Are you sure? But don't you have an idea of what they should have done in that situation? No. No idea at all? I know what I would have done. (laughs) And you don't ever think like my client should just ask more like me and then they'd feel better? (laughs) Well, all the time. But (laughs) but, I mean, the valuable part of being able to say my opinion here isn't the issue. It's, it's, you know, helping my client figure out a, a more functional response. Okay, so when you turn questions back on your clients and say, no, I'm not going to answer this. What do you, th- I mean, you'll actually say that probably, but right. what do you think about this? Um, sort of gently encouraging them to work through that question themselves is that's actually more important than just giving them any piece of information. Right, I think that question's meant to help them both work through and elaborate on uh, their interpretation of what's happened in this experience. Okay, so let's let's make this concrete. I've got an um, example that comes up a lot. So okay. I um, I work with a lot of clients with panic attacks. With How panic do you feel disorder. about that? <laughs> oh, wait. How do you feel that about too that? Soon? <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things they'll say is, I, you know, I was driving and I started feeling panicky, so I pulled over. 
and did some deep breathing exercises. Was that the right thing to do? And I will often say, well, um, what do you think? Not, not in a, I try not to make it sound sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, and to me, the, the reason is it's important for them to think through all the dynamics and mechanics that go on in panic. Mm-hmm. So a very counterintuitive thing with anxiety is when you start to feel really anxious, you want to do things that make yourself feel better, mm-hmm. right? So if you're worried about driving, pulling over will make you feel better Safe. in the short term. Now I'm safer. Yeah. Yeah. But paradoxically, when you relieve the pain of anxiety in the short term, for lots of reasons, you end up making it worse in the long run. Right. So the correct, I mean, the correct answer is almost always, no, you should not pull over. Mm. Um, and so even though I know that, and even though I'm 99% sure of what they should have done, I, I will never say that directly because it's more important that they tr- at least try and work through that and come to that conclusion on their own based on what we've talked about previously. Agreed. And I think that's pretty true of just general learning strategies. Like if we had a teacher in here and said, do you just answer every single question your student gives you straight up? I think most good teachers would say no. No, yeah. Well, but it definitely, I I think one of the tools of the trade that we have is a good question. Um. So like your your client just said, what's the right thing to do? And and you kind of said, well, what do you think? You know, and I, and I might have asked, well, what do you mean by the right thing? Mm. What does that mean? And they might have elaborated on, well, it was the right thing because it kept me safe or it kept other people from danger while I was having this experience or these emotions. Um, and that would, for me, elaborate on what their concern was, which was safety or something. So then you could dial into that conversation. Well, have you ever kind of lost control during a panic attack? No. No, I've never really lost control. Mm-hmm. I always feel like, you know, this doom and gloom or I or I almost feel like I might lose control, but I never have. And, and so you, it starts a conversation, I think, where they're able to, again, elaborate or, or, or expound on their experience. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's an annoying question to have that turn back on you to mm-hmm. say, well, how do you feel about it? But... <laughs> That's the tool of the trade for the psychologist, I think, is a really good question mm-hmm. um, to have, help you start processing. So I have a question um, asking for a friend. Is it bad if as a therapist I do that because I don't know what to say? What do you mean by bad? <laughs> Touche. Uh, oh, oh, so your friend is insinuating you, you do that because you don't know what to say. I mean, exactly. hypothetically, there could be some therapist out there that at one point was just totally baffled and had no effing clue what to say or what to think about some sort of question. So in an effort to stall and buy more time, they just reflected the question back and said, well, what do you think about it? So, I mean, hypothetically. I think I think this is an interesting. This has led us to an interesting kind of thing about therapy. I I think clients are paying me for my expertise in behavior change. That doesn't mean I have all the answers to their life. What? Yeah, believe it or not, and and I I'm a little slow to tell clients how to live their lives because they're the only ones who can really make that determination of what's what's good and functional for them. Um, 
given a, a, a healthy philosophy or a healthy kind of outlook, you know, they have to make decisions that work for them. So I'm reluctant to say, here's, here's what you should have done, <laughs> you know. Um, I might occasionally say, hmm, you know, if I was in that situation, I may have thought of these things and maybe done something like this. But I'm pretty reluctant to say, here's what you should do now. Mm-hmm. Or, nah, I don't know. I think that's just a little too cocky of me. What if it's not a question about what should I do, but just, you know, what do you think about X? Like my obnoxious boyfriend said, blah, blah, blah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I might say it sounds like you were irritated by that. Mm. You know, um, and, and can you help me understand what about that was so irritating for you? You seem kind of taken aback or shocked by what he said. Mm-hmm. Help me understand what what it is you 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 see you see there. You're interpreting mm-hmm. there. This is a nice transition to one of my um, points here. That as a as a therapist, I actually found very annoying being encouraged to learn this skill. I thought it was really annoying, and I didn't want to do it. Which was well, maybe you can guess. I'm all ears. Validation. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So you, the way you phrased that, what? How did you? How did you phrase it? What did you say? It seems like you were very bothered by. Oh, what yeah. Your said. Right. So instead of answering the question, you mirrored back how they were feeling. Right. About it. Right. Now I can I can remember being a, a trainee and thinking like that is the stupidest thing in the world. They know how they feel. It, <laughs> it's just going to sound condescending if I come back and say. Oh yeah, geez, seems like you're really upset right now. And they're like, "Yeah, no kidding. I've been crying for 15 minutes." Isn't that obvious? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I imagine at some point, some clients maybe think, "Well, that's kind of annoying." I just talk about how I'm feeling, and they just tell me how I'm feeling. Um, what's the point of that? So, Dr. Sewell, what's the point of validating or reflecting back someone's? feeling don't they know how they feel like what's the point mm, well i think it serves a couple points one as as sharp as i am i've gotten sentiments wrong before mm. you know so it helps me clarify and make sure i'm on the right track oh that's a good point um but also again it's to kind of help them elaborate right you seem bothered by what your boyfriend said about this thing and i'm curious about what it is particularly about that thing that bothers you so much because i I don't know what that is as your therapist. I mm-hmm. might I, I might be able to form a few hypotheses right away, but I want my client to expound and elaborate on their own experience so that it's very crystal clear to them too. Um, because we all are kind of bothered by things, but when we sit down and really think about why, I think there's a lot to learn mm. there. So just like throwing a question back at someone helps them elaborate or answer their question on their own, throwing a feeling or an emotion back at someone helps them kind of process through or elaborate that feeling on their own. Right. Right. Yeah. And this ties into something we talked about um, a few weeks ago, I think, but the, uh, the common problem among, among, I think all of us to some extent, but um, oftentimes, especially among people who, who show up in therapy is feeling as though it's bad to have certain feelings. Right. So they're angry and they, on some level, they kind of judge themselves for feeling angry. It's not okay that I'm feeling angry. I shouldn't feel angry, yeah. Um, and so one one thing I have really learned about validation, despite my initial <laughs> hesitation, is it really is a powerful tool to break down that belief. By ref- hearing someone reflect back and just um, 
you know, kind of observe and hear and let you know that they heard that um, can actually be a really helpful way of essentially telling someone like it's okay to feel that way. Mm, definitely. Um, but you, importantly, you do it in a way if it, it follows the uh, show don't tell principle. It's often much more effective if you can show someone that it's okay to feel the way they do rather than just telling them, right. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. You know, you don't have to feel badly about that. That's way less effective. And I, and actually, I think it definitely as my clients have, have been able to elaborate, I'm able to say, yeah, I think I'd be bothered by that too. Or, um, I could definitely see why you'd, you know, feel that way given your interpretation of that or, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So there's a lot of that validating that kind of continues through that process. I, I have to say too, my, I, the thing that really sealed the deal for me with this, the idea of validation and me coming around to it was when I was in therapy and having it happen to me. And I remember thinking in the moment being skeptical, but feeling better. Like it felt good to have my feelings validated by someone else. Mm. And I think this is a, it's just, it's just a part of human nature. I think that we, we like to have our, um, especially if we're in situations or cultures or contexts where that doesn't happen much, where our feelings don't get validated or reflected back. It can be a really nice breath of fresh air, I think, to have that happen to you. And that was certainly the case for me. And, I, and I've definitely had my, in my experience as well, having someone say, geez, you seem angry about this or you seem upset about this. Um, and then, and then it, my own elaboration on it, I'm, I'm usually able to kind of go, oh, like, yeah, this is disproportionate to, or, oh, I did miss a key emotion here or you know that elaboration process works all over the place mm -hmm. for me too and so even my um my own experience has been enhanced by just having someone say like what's this about yeah you know why are you why are you this upset about x y and z and, and often enough i'm like oh i'm reacting to three or four things here i'm not just reacting to one thing or i don't know there's there's something going on in there that I wasn't really totally aware of. And re validation or reflection gives you the space to do that, to yeah. kind of see that. To see that, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what are some other things that maybe you say in therapy that are uh, perceived as being annoying? One, one, <laughs> one of the things I do a lot that irritates the heck out of my clients in a very humorous and, and often useful way, though, is that when they express negative emotions, I'll say, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a reason, there's a method behind that madness. And I, and I picked this up from one of my trainers in grad school um, who was really um, big on um, ex an examination of emotions as functional. In other words, mm, there's more to that. He, he would say that your pain is also connected to a value. So a brief example of this, if you love your children, which many parents do, mm -hmm. they're going to be really sad and afraid if that child ever ends up in a hospital. Hmm. And that fear and that sadness is connected to their value of loving their hmm. child. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah, totally. So if a client came to me and said, oh my gosh, I got word that my child was hurt and I was just terrified. I might say, oh, cool, cool. And they'll look at me like, it's not cool that I was terrified. And I'll say, well, yeah, I mean, 
that basically kind of is connected to a value that you're a, a good parent. You care about your child. And when you find out they were hurt, like you did the real functional thing and you got scared. It's a really good thing to know you're a good parent, right? Or you're, and, and so, and as you help them kind of confront, you know, these emotions that they've been afraid of or that they're unwilling to have, and you point out, cool, my clients will often kind of come back and report, I had this weird, crazy experience, and the first thing I thought, or, or I heard your voice saying, cool, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it turns out to be, I, I think that's a good thing, a good feedback for therapists is usually at some point your your client will say, I heard your voice in my head. And then you know, like, oh, cool, something's sinking in there, and we've got a good rapport going. Um, but yeah, they'll often kind of start voicing that irritation with like when I tell you that I'm sad about X and you say it's cool, you know, but they, they start to get the hang of it and why I'm saying that. Okay. So we just talked about the, the point before this was validation. So mm-hmm. if someone expresses an emotion, how do you, as a therapist, how do you know whether to validate it or to say, Oh, cool. What's well, your, I what's think, your, I think, Oh, cool is validating it. It is a way of saying you have that emotion and, mm-hmm. and it's there, and it's there for a reason. But how do you decide whether to say, gosh, it seems like you're really upset right now, or it seems like you're really angry right now, or, oh, cool. Mm. What's your kind of decision tree for that? That would be the the magic of my mind and what I feel is appropriate at the time. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I, if I had to think about that, there might be a rule that I apply in those situations, but I couldn't articulate that right now. Mm-hmm. When would I? Well, I, I think when my clients are somewhat frustrated with their emotional experience, I might say, oh, cool, to, to kind of help them see that their emotions are there for a very valuable reason mm-hmm. and that fighting with their emotions is probably a lost cause. But if someone came in and said, you know, like, I mean, my, my just, mother just died, you're not going to say, oh, cool, right? Well, n- no, because their mother dying isn't cool. The grief that I'm they, sorry, they, the said, emotion I'm, that they have in response to that is a cool thing right? because it says they love their mom. I promise I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting, We were going to have to really talk a lot. We were going to, yeah, the event isn't cool. The event isn't what I, uh, what I point out as cool. It's that, you know, you grieve because you loved someone and that's the cool thing. That's a very um, therapeutic distinction. Yeah. But to be honest, all my clients' emotions are worth validating. All of them. But how do you know whether to validate them in one way versus the other? Oh, I think that's my, probably my rule of thumb would be if my client is saying, I felt scared and I hated it. Oh, okay. You know, I might say, oh, cool. So if they're upset about their own emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if they're just having the emotional experience and really going through it, I would just validate it. Hmm. Okay. But I think when my clients obviously have a problem even experiencing an emotion, I might lean in with the old cool thing. Okay, I've got one for you. Okay. Therapeutic silence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is this is the otherwise otherwise known as these are trade secrets. The crickets technique. (laughs) (laughs) The cricket technique. You know crickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So sometimes it can be incredibly powerful, though incredibly awkward to just not say anything. <laughs> I, had a, I had a supervisor, a trainer in grad school who was really big on this. And 
he was very much of the opinion that um, less is more when it comes to the therapist talking in therapy. And and one of the situations a therapist, especially a new therapist, can get into is when um, a client comes in and for lack of a more tactful way of expressing this, wants the therapist to do all the work for them, to tell them what they should do and how they need to feel better and just to give them the formula. Mm-hmm. And and if they don't get that, a lot of clients will just sort of not say anything in response. And, you know, in, any therapist will sort of wait for five, ten seconds. But once you start getting towards 30 seconds or a minute, it starts getting really uncomfortable. And as a therapist, there's a strong pull to want to, well, there's this, I was going to say there's a strong pull to want to tell them something or ask them a question even. But really what that pull is about is breaking the awkwardness. Right. Right. Um, So it's a really hard thing, or it was for me anyway, a really hard thing to learn that sometimes the best thing you can do for your client is just to sit there in the awkwardness. I, I I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I went because this, this uh, supervisor I had, I recorded all my sessions and so he would watch them. Sure. And so I was in a session and I knew, okay, I'm going to get my supervisor is going to be watching this. Um, I sat there for 20 minutes one time. Wow. With no talking, literally 20 minutes. It was rough. And was your supervisor pleased? Yeah. I mean, he was like, <laughs> I mean, he, he validated my experience and said, wow, that was, that was rough. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely see this a lot when clients struggle to start a session mm-hmm. or answer a question. And I feel like I'm pretty good at the pause or the silence, the cricket technique um, when that's occurring. Um, when I've asked a question, they're kind of looking at me and maybe hesitant to answer and really letting the time start pile up mm-hmm. because the awkwardness can kind of force them to kind of talk, you know, um, or not force, but encourage. Um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. This is, this is a roundabout, so bear with me. The, the spaghetti Westerns, have you heard of these? Oh yeah. Sergio uh, Leone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Clint Eastwood, when he was doing... I think Did anyone else make a spaghetti western besides Sergio Leone? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There were more than just... That's well, the I, I person don't, I know. I don't know if they're considered... They're never as good as... Anyway. <laughs> um, roundabouts within roundabouts. So, Clint Eastwood, I, I, and I... It's been a long time since I, I, I heard this, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But Clint Eastwood was writing a script of his own during the filming of one of these westerns. Mm-hmm. And he went to Sergio Leone and was like, what do you think? And Sergio reads over it and says, you need to eliminate half the dialogue. And Clint Eastwood's like, holy crud, you know, half the dialogue? How do you get your point across? How do you get everything, you know, communicated to the audience or whatever with half the dialogue? But he does it. He goes to town, he works on the script and eliminates half the dialogue. And he brings it back to Sergio and says, here you go. You know, I eliminated half. Sergio reads over it and says, eliminate half of this dialogue. (laughs) Um, and it was an interview with Clint Eastwood, I think, where he was talking about this, but he said he really learned to, to, you know, to use the crickets, um, to use, you know, the 
other factors in a context besides words all the time to sink a point in, basically. Um, now, I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I tend to talk, I tend to think maybe I, I err on the side of talking a little too much in therapy. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could get better and better. And I'm always working to try to get better and better at not talking. Me too. So much. Um, it's hard, though, because that is kind of how we communicate in many ways. And you want to get ideas across and you want to get mm-hmm. things across. But I think the pause, the pregnant pause, the cricket and mm-hmm. the silence can be hugely impactful if used right. So I don't know about you, but there are many times where I probably way more often than not that I don't employ the pregnant pause, the crickets. So the, the same kind of question that we talked about before of how, therapeutically, how do you decide when it's appropriate to use the pause versus not? What Do you have a sense for that? Like what, what goes into whether you decide one or the other? Uh, definitely one is if I feel like I'm working hard on my client. Um, or if I feel like the, um, there's a misunderstanding in the, um, diffusion of labor between the two of us. Like I, I think, um, you know, I'll ask my clients, you know, how their week went and, and, you know, the, in the time since our last session, anything come up for you, any thoughts, any, um, kind of instances that, you know, we go over kind of homework assignments and if they're real slow to kind of get on that, I'm totally fine to just wait for them to initiate. Um, you know, especially as, as, as you get more and more used to the flow of therapy, I feel like my client should almost be leading the therapy session mm-hmm. um, pretty quickly. So it's sort of like um, remedial training for people who don't have a good sense of how therapy goes. Right. Yeah. Is that you're instead of telling them what they need to do, you're sort of behaviorally you're training them waiting for them to mm-hmm. yeah which ultimately is more powerful almost always yeah definitely definitely which i think um yeah definitely a way to kind of socialize them to what's going on in therapy which is this is about you you need to kind of pick out a direction for us take the initiative yeah and 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 the questions are there for kind of a reason i think a lot of clients are just intimidated sometimes in their first few sessions about what's going on and having someone ask them really intimate questions about their life. That's oh, got to sure. be a little intimidating. But once that kind of takes shape over a few sessions, I get quieter. Usually. Yeah. 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 So one of my favorite questions that I think can be annoying to, to some people, I think in general, is is a form of how's that working for you? <laughs> um because I have a lot of clients who get stuck in a behavioral pattern um, and they're not really maybe adept at assessing how their behavior is impacting them, their relationships, the people around them. And so often a form of that question gets asked, you know, um, because they might say, you know, I, I got really ticked. I started yelling at so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's just how it goes. You know, I get angry when people make me mad and I yell and scream. And that's that's just what happens when people make me mad. And so a variation of that question might be, well, how is that working for you? You know, and, and, I, and I think sometimes it's, you, you never want to throw that out like sarcastically or in a pointed way, but to kind of really drive home the point of like, and how is that affecting your life? And how is that affecting your relationship with this person? I mean, 
I think it's a really valuable question sometimes. You know, how is that actually working for you? Yeah, and this is a theme we talk a lot about um, that sometimes just what's true, that's one lens through which you can look at something. It's true. They were really upset, and that is how they've always acted. Right. But it's useful to be able to sort of pull down a different lens, which is like, how useful is that? How helpful is that? Right. Um, and so by asking the the great Dr. Phil's question, how's that working for Is he for the you? one who kind of I think so. popularized that? Yeah, I think so. Um, you can feel, sort of... That makes me feel differently about that question now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really going to change it. I could be wrong on that. Maybe he just co-opted it from someone else, but... Um, let's, let's say that's the truth. Which, <laughs> I think that's a good one. How's that working for you? Knowing Dr. Phil, that's probably true. All right, that's about all I got. Yeah, I think um, I think therapists do probably have a lot of repetitive sayings that irritate people. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, but I th- say, does that make sense all the time? D- yeah, I do. I do as well. Which probably is a sign that we're talking too much. I agree. Or we're anxious. We're worried that w- what we're we're probably talking too much. We know we're talking too much, and so we compensate by over-explaining. And then we can see that our clients are like, what the f- are you talking about? <laughs> My clients never look at me like that. Like, Maybe I'm projecting never. here. Yeah, don't put that on me. Uh, no, I do ask, like, does that does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's my exact... It's kind of like a tick. It's like does a verbal tick. Because sometimes in therapy, you are explaining processes. Yeah. And you kind of... I don't know. I, I think maybe a little. Maybe I'm a little anxious and I want to make sure they're understanding or following. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think it can be useful for sure. But I, I think more often than we probably like to think, it's more, it says more about us than it does about the content of yeah. what we're trying to explain. Yeah.